my dude love susan peters love her family tyler goble shout out to you uh we'll see you at a future retreat tyler um hey i love this episode because it's something we're passionate about human trafficking we're we're, we're very passionate about you know doing something about it uh bringing awareness to this issue but i also love the the call to action right the action items of giving the action items of dealing with some some strongholds that most of us uh, probably struggle with to that gets in the way of not only our intimacy but also contributes to this uh, just disgusting, quite frankly, disgusting industry of exploiting uh, other people for a, for for a personal gain. And so, dude, I loved talking about Unbound Now, Susan Peters, uh, and just everything that this episode entails. Yeah, well, it's exciting for me is that you know there's there's just this idea of not a lot of whole lot, a lot of people like think about it and know about it and and get educated on it it's the second largest industry in the world creating billions and billions of dollars a year but i mean i'm speaking from like experience like i didn't in my mind i was like no way there's human trafficking in in texas you know that's where i'm from like no way is there stuff going on there it's it's all over like in in europe and asia and africa right but it is it's happening right here in the united states in your hometown and there's something we can do about it by just getting educated and also as a man being president at home and loving on your children so go do something about it listen to this episode and then go take action see you You're listening to Filling the Storehouse Podcast. I'm David. And I'm Stuart. And we want to walk with you on the journey to living the abundant life through faith, family, and freedom. Our goal is to refine our why while helping you find yours. Together, achieve our best and highest purpose. In the end, we'll drive each other to intentionally fill our storehouse. Well, hello there, Susan. So excited about today's episode. Stuart, hello to you as well. I don't want to uh, forget you. Um, Hey, buddy. we, We are just... So fired up about this interview, not only because Unbound Now and just everything you're doing and just the amazing organization that it is and, and um, you know, the something that we appreciate supporting and and also just the, the mission is so powerful, but you guys are amazing people, right? We got to know you through your son-in-law, who is Tyler Goble, and a lot of our listeners probably know who that is, but just uh, just an amazing family, great people. And we love, we just love having conversations with you and 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 they're always very deep, profound and uh, have a ton of meaning because of the stuff we talk about. So I'm, I'm excited about today's show. Excited to get into Unbound Now, what you do, who Susan Peters is, and, and just the mission mission that you've taken on. But I'm also extremely interested in in tying it back to some of the things that we're super focused on with with our uh, with our mastermind and our retreats and our men, uh, specifically in the area of intimacy and ho- uh, giving and and just this idea of how we can um, how, how we can bring these things together and and ultimately take action. It's about action, right? It's about doing something about something and uh, not just talking. So fired up. Susan, welcome. Oh, thanks for having me. Love what you guys are doing. Yeah, Susan, if you you. don't mind for our listeners, just give a little bit of background about about who you are and and where Unbound Nate came from and and, what you're doing now with it. All right. So um, in... Prior to 2012, which is 11 years ago now, um, I traveled a lot all over the world, um, checking on our missionaries that we have everywhere. And every country I went in was seeing human trafficking and just 
really just started praying and journaling, saying, what can we do about this? And um, finally, in 2012, I felt like someone can do every job I'm doing. There's just a not enough people really leading out to combat human trafficking. And I really thought we would focus on international um, anti-trafficking first. But when we started doing research domestically, what was happening in our own cities and communities across the nation, we knew we had to start right here at home. And so we started Unbound Now in 2012. And we have three lines of effort. We do a ton of prevention because we want to keep this from happening from anyone. And so we're in schools. I mean, we're in schools where schools haven't done assemblies in five years, but because they have trafficking victims, um, they are like, please come in. And we cover things like um, sexting, pornography and its addictive components and how it's tied in with human trafficking, um, sextortion, which I can talk about what that is. I mean, the things that schools are really dealing with, um, social media safety. And so we do a lot of prevention. I think we're almost at like 200,000 that have been educated um, on that. And it's super, super powerful. And then um, do a lot of professional trainings, because um, particularly when we first got into this 11 years ago, people just didn't recognize victims as trafficking victims and trafficking victims don't identify themselves as trafficking victims. So it's incumbent that we as the community and as um, first responders recognize them to get them the resources they need. And so we do a lot of professional trainings. And then of course, when you do that, you get outcries. And so our strongest program um, and really the pivotal thing we do is what we call survivor advocacy. And that's having advocates that are deployed um, within 90 minutes, most of the time in 30 minutes on any kind of police recovery, going on police raids and um, doing emergency response for trafficking victims and then ongoing case management to help them recover their lives. So super, super excited about the work we get to do. Yeah, that's awesome. Ahead, I, I, you know, it, it's interesting to me because, you know, when I think about um, organizations, nonprofits that that focus in on human trafficking, my mind immediately goes just to like Asia, like for some reason, like my mind goes to, you know, to Thailand, Vietnam, Cambodia, Myanmar, like all those places. Right. And, and, you know, and I've seen it there, like as in the Navy, we deployed there, our ships would pull into port in those locations. I flew in there and I would see it in person. You'd go to the red light district and you'd see all that stuff. But I've never thought about human trafficking happening in Waco, Texas, in Dallas, right. Texas, in Houston, Texas, and in, you know, in the United States. And I've just, I've never thought about it. And I've, it, it, it almost like kind of blows my mind that it would be happening right here where we live. So I'm curious, like how, how did you see that? How did you first realize that it was just happening right here? Like where you're from in Waco, Texas, like what, what, what did you see that, that kind of sparked that? Well, we we were hearing that it was happening um, in, you know, across our cities and the nation. And so I we started just Googling. I mean, looking on Backpage at the time and other common websites, Craigslist. I'm talking about where you order pizza or buy a used car. You can literally go to the escort part of it and pull up your zip code and there's advertisements right there. Um, and they're unashamedly at that time, we're advertising young people. There were code words, um, fresh, you know, new in town. There were some key words that were very easy to pick up on that. You knew that was an underage person being advertised. Of course, the pictures, I mean, it's, and it's pornographic right there on your 
you know, normal websites. And so we just started um, printing those out and putting files together and taking them to our local law enforcement saying, hey, this young person is being advertised in our community. And literally at the time, they were like, that couldn't be happening here. And of course, now they know that they have their own um, intelligence tools that they use. But 11 years ago, it was it was just not commonplace. And unfortunately, anyone in this work knows that it happens locally. And our our offices, we have 10 offices now. I mean, you know, all of our U.S. offices, 97 percent of those that we serve are American kids and young people. And these are kids in our schools. These are, you know, kids in our juvenile detention centers. These are kids in our communities. These are kids going through the ERs, the, you know, clinics, counseling services um, that you might just think are a troubled kid or something's not going right, or they report one rape situation, but actually they're being trafficked on an ongoing basis. Yeah. And you said something, my next question was going to be, you know, why do more people not care? Like, why is this not something that we are just absolutely up in arms about with our kids being sold? But I, but I think you said something very insightful that that the initial reaction when you took this docket essentially to law enforcement, oh, this couldn't be happening here. Right. Like, why are we so resistant to realize the threat to our own kids and, and to do something about it? I think it's just such an ugly, horrific thing. It's hard to wrap your mind around it. The first 14-year-old victim that I sat down and talked with told me her horrific story and about these kids not in school, kept in these apartment complexes, sold day in and day out all night. And then she was recovered and I'm talking with her. And as she's telling me, she says, we didn't think anyone cared this was happening to us. And I mean, I kept about busted out of myself and I'm like, we care. We just didn't know. And I think that's what's happening. I think people don't realize the numbers. They don't realize how um, common it is, the the luring practices of a trafficker. I mean, you know, it is the second fastest growing criminal enterprise globally. And that's because guns and drugs you can sell one time, but a human being you can sell over and over again. And it's a seemingly endless supply. And there's literally books you can go on Amazon and check out a book, Pimpology or something like that. And it will tell you how to groom a young person and pull them into the life in a way that brainwashes them that they don't even know they're a victim. And they're making maybe $100,000 a year, one person for this trafficker. And so it's a very lucrative business and it's destroying lives right under our nose. That's crazy. You know, one thing that uh, we're we're really passionate about is, is just... Um, you know, the idea of, of just being amazing fathers. And, um, you know, we, we're trying to impact these men, um, to be present in our homes, um, to not be so focused on, on, you know, all these worldly things that are, that are in our lives that, uh, that, you know, kind of distract us from, from being, you know, at home and being present. And, through like just, you know, a lot of reading and research and kind of preparing for our messaging, I've I've come across some really crazy stats about fatherhood and honestly the 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 lack of fatherhood. Um, you know, there I think right now it says that uh one in four homes, uh, there are kids that don't have fathers in the home. And from that, um, and, and I'm looking at the data here because I wrote it down that um out of out of like 
runaway kids, homeless kids, 90% of those come from fatherless homes. Um, 71% of, of uh, high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. Juvenile kids, 61% of juvenile kids come from fatherless homes. And I would have to think that that's the target, you know, for, for these, um, you know, traffickers, right? Have you seen that at all? You know, when you're having these conversations with, with uh, the victims as you, as you kind of talk to them? Yes. The, the highest percentage of our victims come from fatherless homes. There's not a father to protect them. There's not a big brother. There's moms working a lot, or maybe there's drug or incarceration and they're alone a lot. And so you're exactly right. But one strong, positive male adult in a young person's life, you know, speaking identity and self-esteem is a game changer. It's an absolute game changer. And I think that is so, so important. And a lot of times parents are like, I'm so afraid my kid's going to be trafficked and like build the self-esteem in them. That literally these tactics of a trafficker, they will say, go up to a group of kids in the mall and look one in the eye and tell her she's pretty. If she looks down in a way, that's the one you go after. If she looks you in the eye and is like, thank you, because she has self-esteem, move on. That's not the target. And so that just shows us, you know, when we volunteer, you know, whether it's in Sunday school or um, big brothers, big sisters, anything, the kids come to your home, you know, bring out the pizzas and speaking esteem and listening to them and building that. It literally can save lives, um, giving them that self-esteem. Also, we've talked to trafficking victims and especially one, one friend of mine, he's a judge now in Colorado, and he was a trafficking victim as a child. And he's greatly overcome, but he literally says, if I would have had one parent of a friend of mine, one teacher, just say, hey, you look really sad. If anything's going on, please come. I would love to talk to you. He said, I'm convinced I would have made an outcry as a child. So there's so much as an adult that we can do and being present for our children. I mean, I always, you know, tell parents, you know, don't take your cues from a teenager, whether you're going to spend time with them or not, they're going to balk. They're going to say, I don't want to be with you, but what do they really want? You know, just spend time with them. Yeah, I always time. used to, yeah, take mine to the restaurant and pin them into the booth. You know, food always works to get that time with them, you know, but um, there's no substitute for just pouring into them and listening to them, valuing them so that they don't, they're not hungry for someone else trying to speak that into them in a coercive way. When, and I think one of the things that immediately comes to my mind, Susan, is as you talk about these things is, you know, so, so Stu and I talk often about action items, right? It's, it's awesome to talk about things and that's great. And we talk about action items and, and, and the, the number of things that pop into my head that are so easy that, but are also radical in the sense that just a lot of us men haven't even heard of them. Like for example, dating your kids, right. Or, or, you know, there's resources like uh, uh family board meeting is a book that we love talking about where he highlights just like you can go to the library and look up pimpology and figure out how to, um, completely exploit humans and destroy their lives. You can also find these books that give you resources to say, Hey, this is how you take your kid out once a quarter and just spend time. And here's some sample questions. And and like you said, it it is as simple as being like, Hey, we're going to go and just have some ice cream. Like if you offer a kid, at least in my household from age zero to 43, um, Hey, I'll take you to dairy queen. 
like it's hands up. I'm, I'm the only one that's like, oh, my teeth hurt, but I don't like it. Right. And, and, but everybody else in my house will be in immediate. Yes, let's do it. And they will feel special whether they tell you or not. If you're like, I'm just taking you, I have three kids. I'm just taking you or my wife. I'm just taking you just you and I. Right. And, and they, you, you're always being intentional. And so I, like, I'm looking at action items. There are things we can do that are very simple. And it requires an hour and a few bucks or no, no, no money. Just go out to the park and hang out. Um, and the education piece, as you're talking about how the enemy, and I say the enemy in the context, well, the devil, of course, but, but the enemy being these traffickers, they're educating themselves. They're educating themselves on how to be effective at doing these things. Look, none of us are natural parents. We are, we're naturally terrible parents, right? Like, because we're going with our own instincts or what we know potentially. There are resources out there, this group, uh, the library, books, authors, like Google it, how to be a good dad, how to be a good parent, how to be present. And the number of ideas that show up, you can do this. You can go to your website and get educated on this issue. And so I think that there's so many resources that you highlight and it's not that hard. It really isn't. Right. Um, yeah. I, I, you said something else that I, I really want to hit on. Let, let's, let's get real for a second. So porn, I want to talk about porn and, and not only, you know, every, our listeners put your religious considerations aside, put your familiar considerations aside, whatever biases you may have towards porn, which we can absolutely get into that. But just from a practical X's and O's business execution perspective, what is the impact of porn and its tie to this industry? It's huge. I mean, number one, um, traffickers use porn to desensitize victims to what's going to happen to them. They train them with it. And then they make videos and take pictures of them um, and primarily to sell but also they can use it, what, what's called sextortion, which is like, you have to do this, or I'm going to send this to the principal or your school friends or your parents or your youth pastor. Um, and then a very high percentage of our victims are videoed and or um, pictures taken. And so even when they're recovered and they start getting their life back, the trauma of having those videos and pictures out there never to be able to be recovered is, is very, very, very difficult um, to overcome. And I think, I think what deceives people about pornography, of course, it has a very addictive component of it. And we are absolutely sympathetic. You know, the, the average person who falls into finding pornography is 10 years old, you know, so it's not, a lot of times they're not looking for it. They just, they're doing a Google search on a school project and it got an addictive component of it. Um, but once you get ensnared, it just increases in, um, you know, what needs to be viewed to have the same response. And they, the person on it smiling, because that's what their trafficker is telling them. You look like you enjoy this, you smile, you do these things. And so they, you can deceive yourself saying, well, they want to be there or they're of age. And I can tell you, I haven't looked at the numbers recently, but at one point, I think it was like one out of five images are of a minor. Um, and so it's Crazy. driving up the demand for people to buy sex pornography is driving up the demand to now act out on it. 
And so people who normally wouldn't have done that are out pursuing it. And so it's a supply and demand business and pornography is driving up the demand, which, you know, criminally minded people are providing that. And so it's absolutely linked to human trafficking. What'd you say? Like, what was the number 50% of your victims you said are videoed? Over 50%. I would, I would say up to as much as like 68%. I haven't run the numbers recently, but most of our victims are videoed. And um, I mean, it's terrible. We just recovered three kids on a operation with our law enforcement, three little kids, and the, they were being videoed and those videos being sold. Um, there's live chat rooms now. I mean, it's it's really horrific. And so I like to say your no is her hope. You know, when when we say no to that and do the hard work of saying no to pornography, we are diminishing the demand. And I think that's important. And it's not just her. There are males and females, of course, that are um, victims of human trafficking and pornography. Yeah. And I want to make one last point to this before you ask questions, too. But I... Our intent is not to shame, is not to make you feel guilty, is not to highlight. Because I personally don't believe that there are any redeeming factors to porn, regardless of what you, you know, some people can say, well, you know, this element of it, but you have no idea if the element of it that you're redeeming comes from somebody who was exploited to be in that situation, right? So like that, that's why I say there, and you have no idea, you can't do the research on, um, uh, into that deep level. And even if you did the research, you're probably looking at a bunch of lies, but, but I, I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty and nor do I, that's nor am I trying to talk you out of doing anything, but we are huge on being honest with yourself. That's what we are very big on. And so at a minimum, if you are looking at porn and, and not thinking about these things, at least be honest with yourself and say, okay, there is a high potential that what I am looking at and enjoying and observing, there's a high potential that this person does not want to be in the situation that they're being exploited and that I am benefiting and enjoying this person, potentially something that's ruinous for the rest of their life. Yeah. I'm enjoying that. And, and at least be honest with what is exactly going on and then accept it and make your decision based on that. Right. Not again, when I say the religious stuff, put that aside, I don't want anybody else's influence to be the thing that's driving our self, our self-honesty. If that's an important part of your life, awesome. It is, it is for me. But just be honest with yourself and what you're doing and how this ties back to bigger problems because this is a multi-billion trillion dollar combined industry, right? Yeah. yeah and, and speaking of that, you know, my mind goes to all right, this is the second largest um, business in the entire world. It's billions and billions of dollars going into it. It's every, it's everywhere, right? You know, it's in Waco, Texas. It's in Thailand. It's in Europe. It's in Cambodia. I and mean, all these places that that you guys are serving. And my mind goes to, I'm overwhelmed. Like where, yeah, where do we even start? And how does Stuart and David and Susan? make an impact. Yeah. Now, how do we show up and serve? And yeah. you know, beyond just like giving money, like what else could we be doing um, to show up and make a difference in this huge, overwhelming issue in our, in, in our world right now? 
Yeah, I mean, I always think, I think everybody respects Mother Teresa, you know, and I love her philosophy, you know, it's the one, it's the one that matters. And so, and that's how we started. It's like, if we can just reach one and support them. And um, and I can't tell you how many operations our, our team has been on. And literally, I mean, numerous times where the, our advocates will be talking with the victim and they would say, I prayed last night, God, I'm going to die out here. If you don't send someone, if you're real, send somebody Wow. and our advocate the next day is on a sting operation to recover them. I mean, it's amazing. That's awesome. And, um, I mean, story after story that it matters, that one matters. Um, just this last week, I was able to meet parents that were being reunited with their daughter. You don't tell me that one mattered. That one mattered to that day. I'm telling you, it was profound and it was an honor to be a part of that. And so I think, you know, when I get overwhelmed with the numbers, I just go, the one matters. And now, you know, we're 2000 victims, you know, and um, served. And so every time I think about if we can get one more team out there, that's, couple of hundred more, you know, and so it, so it matters. Um, and then I think as far as, you know, being overwhelmed, what can we do? You know, there's a lot we can do because, um, I think there's being a, a member of the community, we're the eyes and ears of the community. And so when we're educated on the issue, all of a sudden, I mean, I cannot tell you how many times we've done a training with professional counselors and they're like, oh my goodness, I now I recognize several potential victims in my practice that I just missed. They're not going to say I'm a trafficking victim. They're going to give you these little bites, you know, medical community, you know, they're, they're so quick in the ER, you know, they're, they're treating people, but all of a sudden when you train them and you, you talk about separating them from the person who's controlling them and answering all the questions and things, they start implementing that and, and victims are being identified and helped. And so I think, you know, education, we like to say awareness saves lives. I just even going to trainings or doing some on, on our online, we had a, um, a guy recognize a 15 year old that was trying to get out of a big rig at the truck stop called law enforcement. They got there, they called us, we got there. And that, that 15 year old would not talk to the police, not tell them a thing, not my name, where I'm from, nothing, because they're trained. You don't tell the police anything. And especially if they're a minor, you don't tell them how old you are. And that we were able to get her aside. And then what we can do is say, Hey, I'm not law enforcement. I'm not a probation officer. I'm not CPS. We work for an organization, Unbound Now, that helps people like you. And then she opened up and she was, you know, uh, on the missing and endangered um, list on NCMEC as a missing teenager and and was a trafficking victim that we were able to help recover. And so that came from people being educated and being those eyes and ears and going, that doesn't look right, you know, Um, and it, it saves lives. So I think that's super important. And then the secondary thing that I think is equally as important is realizing that you're, I mean, uh, probably all of us can remember maybe one adult in our life as a kid that said something about us and it sticks with you. And so just knowing as an adult, listening to a child, speaking positive things over them, maybe spending extra time with them can literally be a game changer in the choices they make for their future that will help them from going down a road of destruction. And so there's a lot that we can do. Well, I love how you said that because we can also be the one in the neighborhood 
that asks the kid or says, you know, says something. I mean, probably not like, hey, you look really pretty, like, but but to say something to them and see their reaction, right? To see how they react to things, how they how they respond to us. And then we can identify and be like, oh man, you know, I, I need to pour in here and, or just to be available, right? Like, you know, student, I talk often about, and I love in the neighborhood, Erica, my wife, we want to create a house that is, is a honeypot for kids, right? It, it's the place that, that they're attracted to, that they want to come and have fun and, and we're available and we're very conscious and intentional in pouring into them and showing them that they have a place that is safe and fun and, and, you know, Stu's probably a little more difficult because he's not as fun. Right. But like, but I, I like being that dad on the, at the park, right. Like, the, like I don't take my phone to the park because I want to be present. I want to play the kids like, Hey, play cops and robbers. This is something we do. You know, all the neighbors now know like, Hey, let's play cops and robbers. You're it. And it's great cardio, you know, for those that are fitness minded, like you're picking kids up, you're running around. It's, 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 a, it's a great thing, but, but, but it's not, again, it's not hard. Yeah. And it's just being aware and conscious and intentional to be because my dream is that there's a kid in the neighborhood that'll come to our house when they're in need and be like, Hey, instead of an alternative, whatever that alternative it is. So I think it's, I think there's something we can do about it. I want to change gears just a tiny bit and, and, and talk about something that we're, we're extremely passionate about and that's giving, you know, to, to, to highlight the benefit that when you find an organization, you find a cause that you're super passionate about, Let's talk about the benefits of giving, right? Of of giving your time, of giving your effort, of giving money to support something like Unbound. And I'm just curious what you've seen the changes in people's lives as they've become more generous and giving towards your cause. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's funny. We we got into this work because we were so compelled to do something, and then all of a sudden went, "Wow, it takes a lot of money to do this to have people in the front lines." Um, but it's it's really been rewarding to see people that feel just as called as we are in the front lines called to support us. And, and we have partners. I mean, they're in it with us. And so there was um, one real estate guy and he just started supporting when he was starting his business a little at a time and a little at a time. And it was just wonderful. We were building relationship. And then all of a sudden, um, a year and a half ago, he texts me and says, hey, does Unbound now need a home um, and walking distance to your office? And I'm like, uh, yeah. And he's like, meet me there. And we walked over there and it's down to the two by fours. And he's like, I was going to do this as a and b but do you need it? And I'm like, I need a house for kids. I need a house when we recover kids that can stay here. And he was like, all right, what do you need? And so he gave us that house. And then he used his influence by sending out an email to all of his contractors saying, would you want to give, you know, um, pro bono, you know, to this house? And I mean, plumbers, electricians, cabinet guys, carpentry, flooring, fixtures, the beans, you know, all these companies and different people came and it was their joy to do that. And then when the house was all finished and it's beautiful, we had a big cookout and invited all the contractors out. And I mean, they walked through it in tears to see the finished product and go, I was the plumber that did that. I'm the one that gave the HVAC and ran that, you know, and it, and it was a joy to do that for our community. And so I think everybody can play a part and it, it doesn't matter if it's a small amount because who knows, you may start with a small amount and the Lord may bless you and, and you have a big amount can make even a bigger difference. But I think it's 
getting your heart into something and saying, hey, I'm not going to spend my life just on myself. I'm going to give uh, for the least of these. And I think the Lord really honors that. And I've definitely seen lives transformed. And and this, you know, precious couple, they're contagious because they they tell their other friends, they're like, be a part of this. This is so rewarding to know I'm not just building a business to be a blessing to my employees and to my community and my family, but I'm using a part of this to um, make sure I'm taking care of the vulnerable and supporting Unbound Now's work and, and being out there. And then, you know, business after business has has done that for us. And I mean, we have an ophthalmologist who sees our um, kids for free, you know, and, you know, young people. And one time, and she's employed one of our survivors. One of my favorite picture is of our survivor with her scrubs on serving one of our male um, survivors. And I took a picture from the back of their head and I'm like, it's amazing, you know, just to see that. And so the ripple effects are really, you know, a dentist, you know, giving his um, expertise and carving out a percentage of what he can do to serve our survivors. I mean, there's always something someone can do and it's really, really amazing. It was really cool to, uh, to hear that and, and kind of just my brain is stirring on, you know, how we can, um, how can we use our resources, you know, and it's, and I think a lot of people, when, when they think about just the word giving their mind immediately just goes to money, right? Like, how much money do I need to give this year and, and the tithe and 10% to the church. And, but there's so much more, there's so many more resources and assets that we have beyond just money oh, that yeah. can be just as impactful or more to an organization, you know, like you and like just the example of he's a real estate investor and he has tons of contacts in his network of, of contractors and people and just, just the, just the email. Just the yeah. email that it took to send out to all of his resources and said, "Hey, can you can you be a part of this with me?" Just that was just was huge, and I, and that alone, like in my mind, that's giving, right? Like understanding where you're, you know, what resources you have and assets. And so David and I, as a part of our our, our giving um, focus, like you know, that's that's a part of like an exercise that we're we're challenging our men to go through is write out what your resources are, write out what your assets are. And it's not just money. You know, what do you have? What are your talents that you have? What, what, how much time do you have? Uh, where could you plug into your passions and your, and, and causes where, where you can send an email and get all these people to come and support. And so that's, that's really exciting for me, you know, with having a platform like we have to do just that. Right. And so, you know, I, I'm, I'm saying this ahead of time, but like, you know, our listeners, like, think about that. Like, think about what you can do to plug into, um, you know, charities and organizations that that you love and support and not just handing a, a paycheck over. Because honestly, I think that's the easiest thing to do is just to write a check. Like, what else can you do to like get involved and like volunteer and, and be a little bit vulnerable and say, hey, I'm passionate about this. Come and help me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so with all that said, like, where, where do you need help? Like where, you know, someone, someone listening to this and they have a, a resource or an asset or, uh, uh, you know, something that they're good at, what could people do from listening to this to come and help Unbound now? 
Uh, I mean, I know, I know it's wide ranging, but yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of expertise that are a blessing. I mean, um, doing current videos, anybody with a video, um, you know, part of that, um, is a, is a really big help. Um, the networking within the communities we serve, we're, we're going into Louisiana, we'll be in Baton Rouge and New Orleans. Um, and, and that's new. And so being able to meet people in that community that will, um, not just support us financially, of course, but, but relationally, you've got to have relationships with law enforcement and the DAs and all those kind of things. And so people making those introductions, people in the community is a big deal, you know, because, um, you know, that, that firsthand, Hey, this is an organization that I believe in that's doing good work, opens the door for that connection that we can serve more people. Um, I like to say, you know, favor is to help more people, but you have to have those connections. So connections and everywhere we are is really important. Um, and then, I mean, it can be resources, anything from airline miles. I mean, we've got to fly different places. I mean, it could be, I mean, we had a donor that came through, we've got a new HQ office and I, I could get the office, but I didn't have furniture for it. And they came through and they're like, Hey, my friend's a designer. I have the financial resources. Would it bless you to come, you know? provide for your office. And I'm like, knock yourself out. <laughs> and it's a beautiful space with a beautiful conference room that we can do our work, you know? And so there's really a lot of creative ways. I think you're right. You know, take inventory of what do you have and would you be willing to lend that to, you know, someone else? I mean, the, the communications expertise, people who really understand that that's an area we need to grow. I, I have so many people, this is telling on us, but they're like, you guys do the best work. You tell your story the worst, you know, because we're just been head down doing the work, reaching the victims and survivors. But it takes a lot of resources now, but we haven't really told the story well, because I want to protect those. That's the worst thing that ever happened to those victims. I don't want to publicize that to get money, but there's a right way to do that. So maybe there's expertise in that way. So I think there's a lot of creative ways that people can say, Hey, I'm going to get behind you. I want to add um, to you and help you move forward to reach more people. That's, it would be amazing. Well, yeah. And I think creativity too, right? I think creativity and I mean, it can be as simple as starting with just a post. If this is something that touches your heart and you're a listener, I mean, it could just be a post to bring awareness to your network. If, if you're someone who does a podcast, if you're someone who um, does webinars, I mean, why, why not bring, you know, I'm sure if you invited Susan to go in front of your audience and just give a five minute, 10 minute spiel of, of, of Unbound Now and what you do and what the need is, like what what does that cost? What does that truly cost? If it's something that you're passionate about, you know, if, if, if human trafficking is something that you want to do something about, then I think there are so many creative ways that cost nothing, right? That really cost nothing, but maybe a bit of time. And so I think to your point, Susan, it doesn't have to be, and, and Stu, it doesn't have to be money. And, and I think money is vital and it's critical. And like you said, it's expensive running an organization, but but there's so many things you can do and, and make it simple, right? So if you have a hundred thousand followers, you're like, Hey, we're going to do a $1 giving challenge. Well, we'll, we'll do the math. Like that is so easy. Like I mean, most people can give $1. And if they're truly people that watch your stuff, like, I mean, even if you raise half of that, even if you raise a quarter of that, like who, who cares? There's so many things you can do. Um, so I would just, uh, you know, as I'm saying that, I'm, I'm going to write it down and be like, well, why, why am I not? Why don't I not do a $1 giving challenge? Like that, that's pretty simple. Uh, so I, I think it's uh, there's so many things we can do. And I really appreciate you highlighting, you know, that need. And 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 like I said, I'm sure, you know, if, if you got a call to talk to a group, 
You'd probably be sure. pretty quickly, right? Yeah, and I think you're right. I mean, reposting the things that we do and, and being for us, I mean, it is so encouraging to all of our teams. We have over 100 employees, and just to see that people are behind us is encouraging, but also to our survivors. I mean, we have survivors on our staff. We, of course, engage with survivors all the time, but when they go, wow, they care, that business owner cares, you know, it means a lot to someone who has been victimized and been told that they're not worth anything. And so when you show up like that and say, no, I care about this. I care that this was happening to you and I'm going to use my platform for that. It really means a lot. The other thing is matching gifts. It's really, I was blown away, but I read recently something like 70 plus percent of people will give if there's a matching gift. And so even when someone has whatever, $10,000, I'm going to work, I want to do a matching gift today. So y'all meet me. I mean, it's amazing how many people want to do that. So there's a lot of creative ways to just keep the momentum that, that we won't stand for the buying and selling of humans in our lifetime. And I'm doing my part to protect those around me, I think goes a long way. And I think as men, it means a lot, I think, to your wives, to your sisters, to your um, children that you're saying, Hey, I'm going to be a man and be a protector of this. This is something I care about. It means a lot. Um, it means a lot to me, but it means a lot to all those that we serve. When you have men who have been the victimizers primarily, and you see a lot saying, Hey, no, I'm standing against this. That's super powerful. Well, I think we need to embrace our role, right? There's nothing wrong with being uh, a man and having that influence and and what we bring to the equation, I think is, I love how you highlight that. It, it's super important. And, and real men need to stand up, right? I mean, it, it, just think about your kids. Like if you have a daughter, you know, I, I, I mean, I was thinking about my sons too and modeling how you treat women. You know, we're very, you know, we're very, very intentional. Like, especially my boys, when they talk back to their mom, I'm very intentional being like, hey, dude, you're talking to my wife. Mm-hmm. I know she's your mom, but she's my wife. So lock it up. And, 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 and my daughter seeing that, right. And, and my boys learning how to respect and, and treat women. And then even more projecting that forward. I heard something recently, this, this back to porn, how much influence porn has on young boys lives and how it's ruining them for their future, because they think it, they think what's being modeled on the screen they download that and they think that, and it's normalized. They think that that's the way that, that maybe they should look a certain way. Um, and, and they also think women should respond a certain way and it's, it's corrupting just the normal process because their brains can't handle it. Right. And so for us to step up and be like, no, this is what modeling looks like. This is how we should be like, we should be that influence. Yeah. We should I not think, push I think that out. Yeah. And I think I think even a place to start is when there's, you know, the locker room talk that's degrading to women. I mean, and, it, you know, how many of us have been in the situations where we didn't step up or we just kind of went, uh, you know, but I think owning that that's a starting point to just say, hey, I'm not going to respond to that. I'm really trying to instill dignity in the women in my life. Whoa. Yeah, that's you know? powerful. Yeah. Yeah, that's powerful. And that goes right to your 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 phrase of your your no is her hope. Like just saying that, like, no guys, like, let's stop talking about this. Right. Mm -hmm. That's hope for somebody Mm -hmm. down the, down the line somewhere. Yeah. How do we, you don't have to say something, right, Stu? Like sometimes we came back from one of our retreats and one of the men said, and this was so impactful to me because you attract and you push out what your expectations are. People just pick it up. Right. And one of the men said, this was the first time I've hung out with a group of men and we weren't talking about women. 
in a degrading way. We weren't, oh, check that out. Oh, look at her. And he said, it's because it just doesn't fit. It just would not have gone over with this group of men. So it's not even, it's just, and we, none of us said that, right? None of us said, we're not talking about women here. Like it just, it never even came up because we were so focused on being better men and, and kinetic men and dudes that are focused on this stuff. They don't talk about, if they're going to talk about that stuff, then have a picture of your wife pop in your head, mm-hmm. have a picture of your daughter pop in your head because that's what you're propagating. So it's, that's a, that's a great point too. Yes. Yeah, so Susan, where, where can we send people to get more educated on this stuff? I know you guys have some formalized training that you do, but you know, what if, uh, you know, a principal at a school is listening to this and, and they want education in their school, you know, for their children that are, that are, you know, growing up and learning about this stuff in this digital world, where, where can people get more educated? Yeah. Come to our website, unboundnow.org. Um, and you can find, get more information or trainings. And we do have, um, online trainings. We have training for trainers in schools and things like that and some great materials. So, unboundnow.org is where they can find us. Love it. Love it. Um, Susan, I want to thank you so much. Um, I just, I I love the work you're doing. I love the passion you do it with. I love how you serve God through your mission. Uh, And it's, it's such a focus and it's, it's being blessed. It's growing. And, and not only it, but all the people that you're touching, you mentioned 2000 plus Uh, individuals whose lives have been saved, you know, when it becomes overwhelming, I love how you said that, like, think about these 2000 people that were literally freed and given their lives back and, and, and saved from this just very, very dark, dark thing that, that, and we could do something about it, right? Like we can do, we can, we can, that trajectory can just be, can skyrocket. And some of it is just simple things, awareness, education, uh, engagement, you know, talking to people and and the best way to get after it, like you you know, like you alluded to, is is the prevention part of it. Is is highlighting and being present and intentional and and ensuring that it never happens. Yeah. And I think that it's just a uh, such a powerful, powerful organization. Uh, you guys are amazing, powerful people, and and uh, we're just so honored to to even spend time with you and talk with you about these things. Uh, love what you guys are doing, building up men and we need you. And so, so appreciate y'all getting behind us. Awesome. Awesome. Well, guys and gals, Hey, reach out to unbound now, reach out to Susan. You know, we're going to, we'll put the uh, website on in our show notes. Um, and Hey, think about, you know, where you can plug in, think about the assets that you have, the talents, uh, you know, anything that you can do to, to spread this word. Cause it is highly, highly needed. Um, and I, you know, if, if you have children, like think about how that could impact their lives and their children's lives. So let's go and make a difference. Reach out to unbound now, check them out. Um, and let's all go fill the storehouse together. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Make it a great day. Friends go do something, give, learn, give. do it, do it. My dude, I am fired up about this episode. And I'll tell you the action items. What I love about it is there's action items we can do, right? We can educate ourselves. We can give, we can give our time, we can give our resources. And I'll tell you, uh, I think by the time this episode came out, we'll already be pretty deep into this giving campaign that that we're coming up with right now because we're so excited about the opportunity to be able to do something about this and, and raise some money and give to this cause that we're you know so so passionate about. Unbound now specifically, Susan Peters and her team, just an amazing, amazing 
group of individuals that we can do that we can help right now do something about right now. Yeah, man. I love the, her story about, you know, just this one real estate investor who just sent an email and just got his connections and kind of brought them all together. He was a little bit vulnerable, like, Hey, I'm supporting this. would love some help in that. But just that one email, like create a cascade effect of like tons of people pouring in and helping out. And it's not just money that we can give. We can give our talents. Like, what are you doing that could help out an organization like this? She had mentioned a videographer. There's a lot of other things that we can do, you know, airline miles. Like there's so much, like get creative and just think outside the box a little bit about how you could support an organization like this. If this is something that sounds interesting, go learn about it, get educated on it, and then go pour in. So go do it. Go to unboundnow.org and uh, check it out. Go give. Go give. Get it. See you. Give it. Thank you, friends, for listening to Filling the Storehouse. If you are growth-minded, community-focused, and willing to take uncommon action to redefine success and live an abundant life, visit our website at www.storehouse310.com to see all the ways we can connect. Yeah, on our website, you can find information on everything we're doing, like joining our meetup page to get the details on our webinars and our local Thursday gatherings here in Colorado. From our site, you can also find information on and sign up for our next retreat. Finally, we always appreciate your love and support. Please share this episode and go rate us on your podcast player of choice. Thank you again. Now go fill the storehouse.